we'll begin our morning's worship by singing together in Psalm 130. All the psalms I've taken this morning are from the Scottish Psalter. So Psalm 130. Lord, from the depths to thee I cried, my voice, Lord, do thou hear, and to my supplication's voice give an attentive ear. To God's praise. Let each of us draw near to God through 
the Lord Jesus Christ and let's lay our thoughts and petitions before him. Let's come into his presence and as we only can with confession and humility and hope. Father, we come into your presence through the name, the work, the blood of Christ. Father, we are humbled this morning to hear of these sad events for these two families, for us as a congregation, for many friends. Father, we have to remember how faithful you are to the promise, that awful promise, that fateful promise, that undiscriminating promise that the day thou shalt eat of it, thou shalt die. And Father, we are aware that you have been faithful to that promise ever since you made it. And that we are all suffering from that promise. You made that threat that you carried out to Adam. Father, we come before you as a people and we would first humble ourselves before you. Father, you know who we are. If you should mark iniquity, and Father, we know that you know our iniquities. Father, we come to you as a failed people, failed individuals, failed as believers, failed as a denomination, failed as a country. Father, we come before you and confess our arrogance our contempt for your laws and Father we are not talking about other people outside this church Father you know who I am you know who we are and Father we realise that we are trash Father you know that I am a moral failure with no reason for hope other than what you have given Father, we have failed you. We, we turn round the finger and point to institutions that have lost membership. And meanwhile, we as a denomination over the last century have lost hundreds of thousands. Father, we understand that there is no great desire for a day of repenting. A day of humbling ourselves. Father, you know that we drive around in our comfortable cars and go to comfortable places. And while your name is dishonoured, not out there, but amongst ourselves, that we do not fear you. We do not believe in you. We do not trust you. Father, we and our fathers have sinned. And we are under your just judgment. And Father, we have no other grounds to go to than your character. And ask for mercy. Father, we know that if you do not come and show us mercy, this church will be empty. As empty as so many others are. Father, you know that for every member that we rejoice in seeing join us, we see five leaving Father we are in need of your spirit to come and quicken us 
and show us how we can come back to you. Father, we pray that today might be a day when we can rejoice in your presence, that we can know your favour, that you might touch us. Father, we are tired, very tired of not being touched by you, of not being spoken to you, spoken by you. Father, you know that we pay lip service to prayer. We pay, pray, pay lip service to studying your word, to hearing and listening, and to the promptings of your Holy Spirit. So, Father, we do ask as a people, you would come to us, you would come to our nation. Father, you would come to those who legislate. Come to those who lead us as a denomination. Father, we pray too, especially for the families, the McRae and the Cook families and the, the girls and the son and wife. Father, we ask that you would encourage. Father, we know your scripture says that the godly perishes and no one lays it to heart. Father, we do. We do lay it to heart. We do see these fine men who been treasured possessions of this congregation taken away Father we know that the sands of time are sinking Father we pray your blessing and you would encourage these families with a sense of hope Lord our God come to them in a special way, touch them encourage them Father we commit to you your word, we pray you would bless us. We pray for the children especially, that they might know your encouragement and your grace, your mercy. Father, we remember Jesus, how he said, suffer the little children to come. We pray that today that they might know in Sunday school and in creche and wherever, that invitation from yourself. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have children here. It's great to see your children. It's great to hear noise. Uh, it's always a big encouragement. Uh, and uh, I don't know the age of some of the children, but I was going to tell a story, a true story I heard a short while ago. And you'll need to ask, hello young man, you look very attentive, uh, that uh, you'll maybe have to ask your mum and dad. But it was a story about a genius. A great man called Albert, Albert Einstein. And he knew everything. You see the lights? He knew everything about light. He knew everything about, I wish I'd known more about dropping things. He knew everything about motion. He, he was just a genius. He, he, he just died one year after I was born. And everybody would say that he was, wow. He was a genius. Always oh, you see him with his big fluffy moustache and his long uh, locks of hair. I'm sure uh, he had it better tended much of the time. But he was a great man, one of the greatest minds. In fact, somebody actually stole his brain. But that's another story we'll tell you about some other time, maybe. But what was interesting is one day when he was an old man... And you'll just have to imagine this, okay? So, you've, have you, I'm sure some of you have been on a train. If you've been on a train, you can imagine this. He was on the train. 
and he was sitting quietly having a little snooze when the ticket collector came along and the ticket collector if you see the ticket collector came along and said tickets please tickets please and everybody got their ticket out and Albert Einstein went where's my jacket where's my ticket and he just couldn't find his ticket anywhere and the ticket inspector said it's okay sir it's okay just relax everybody knows who you are we all know everyone in this carriage knows who you are sir you are a famous so just relax and so the ticket collector left him and so off the ticket collector went cars one two three four five finished his ticket collecting and then decided to come back through the carriage and as he came albert einstein saw him and thought where 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 is where's my ticket and the ticket inspector said it's okay sir just relax everybody here does, do you all know who this is yes this is albert einstein so just relax and so ticket collector went back to the beginning of the train and he started to come along and do tickets again when he got to another station and as he came past Albert Einstein he was looking everywhere for his ticket he couldn't find his ticket anywhere and Albert Einstein sir said to the ticket collector I'm really sorry I can't find my ticket the ticket collector again said it's okay Relax, we all know you've paid your fare and your ticket's genuine. And Einstein said, that's not the problem. That's not the problem. I don't know where to get off. I don't know where I'm going. And so, children, the reason we come to church, the reason you go to creche, is so that you will know where you're going there's a place we're going to where God is and there's a place we can go to where God isn't and written I went looking this morning for a ticket and I found an old ticket that says I was going from Gatwick airport to a place you've never heard of called Broccoli and it was a long time ago but at least I knew where I was going and so children, it's very important, adults, to know where we're going. So let's um, sing again. And it's this time in Psalm 67, which is, uh, we're looking for God's blessing on us. Lord, bless and pity us. Shine on us with thy face, that the earth, thy way, and nations all may know thy saving grace.
Now we're going to read the scriptures from Romans chapter 4 from verse 18. I realise the ESV doesn't break it up the way the NIV does at verse 18. So, uh, But we'll start there talking about Abram. Romans chapter 4 verse 18 and you've got it there on the screen. In hope, Abram believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations... As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we now st- in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more, notice that word, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Just before we sing again, let's just pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you for your word. We pray you would quicken it and make it alive. Father, we pray for our land and the many places where your word is preached. We pray that you would be honoured. You would be praised. Father, we want to come this morning to acknowledge your goodness towards us, that you have been kind. Father, we ask you to receive our thanks for our health, for our families, for our friends. Father, we do thank you for this church. We bless you for our pastor. We pray for his encouragement and we do ask that he would be restored to us soon. We ask for all those that preach the word, even at this hour, and as your word has been preached at eleven in many places. Father, we do ask that you would 
make your word not return to you void. Lord, we do pray for many situations and I can't but think on just the hundreds of churches that have been burnt in India in the last few weeks. And Father, we do pray for protection, especially today when a 100,000 people are gathering to threaten the churches in Udaipur, which have closed all their services in that multi-million numbered city. Father, we ask there for recovery for all those who've been beaten pastors and we pray for the over a hundred the families of over a hundred people who have been murdered Lord we do ask that you would do some something with the government that you would bring about some protection for the believers our father we praise you in the midst of trouble Lord our God, we thank you for the Lord Jesus. We, we do not understand why you have been so kind to us. Father, we, we treasure the day you opened our eyes to see the truth. Father, we bless you and we thank you. Accept our thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. So we'll sing again. This time it's in Psalm 42, again, everything from the Psalter. Psalm 42, like as the heart for water brooks and thirst doth pant and bray, so pants my longing soul, O God, that come to thee. As you can see, the psalmist has this desire to meet with God. The Lord says, draw nigh unto me, and I will draw nigh unto you. Let's sing these verses to God's praise.
I thought we could look this, I was going to say morning, but it's not morning, afternoon, at a just the first verse of Romans chapter 5, verse 1, which you all know. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so just a glimpse through Romans and then we'll have a look at that verse in particular. Romans is it's a complex book. It's easy to understand what he's saying. It's often difficult to understand why he's saying what he's saying in the order he says it. And so you have this situation where it starts, as you know, he starts Romans 1 to 3.20. He starts by saying, look, there's sin in the Gentiles. You know, it's like me saying, you know, to you Gentiles, you're sinners. And all my Jewish friends over on this side saying, ah, yeah. And so he turns and says, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's sin in you Jews. And so therefore, the end of chapter, uh, halfway through chapter 3, it really is all of sin. And of course, he's writing to the church in Rome. So one thing to remember, and one thing to remember about this afternoon as we go through this, is that he's writing to those who believe. And we'll touch on that again. So that's the context. And then when he gets to chapter, end of chapter 3 and all of 4, he says, just a second, there is a way to be righteous with God. And that's through the faith. The faith like Abram had. And so that brings you up to the end of chapter 4, which we read there, who was delivered, delivered up for our trespass and raised for our justification, or righteousness in other versions. So then he goes into chapter 5, which we'll look at shortly. And then he goes to chapter 6. Chapter 6 is an amazing chapter. Chapter 6 says, you're alive. You're alive. You're no longer slaves to sin. You're slaves to righteousness. In other words, you're a slave. You're, you're forced. You're... Chapter 7 goes on to say, yeah, and you can fight sin. Chapter 8 says, we're going to heaven. We're going to be there. Nothing can stop them taking us there. And so we then come back to chapter 5. And chapter 5, a fascinating chapter, because it's logic. It's Paul's logic. He says, if this, then that. And he goes through it, isn't it? And in this verse, he said, therefore be justified. If you're justified, God's at peace with you. Verses 1 and 2. 3 to 5 says, and this is very important for today, for this day we are in, this Sabbath. Because it says, if you're therefore in the bubble, in the room of God's grace, then trouble has a purpose. If you're troubled and you're in this where we're all breathing grace then there is to be a purpose in it. It builds character, etc. And, and then he goes on and says the logic again is let's get, think about it. If he died for you when you were enemies then he must really love you now. And then the last part says, look, if the first Adam did this, or maybe you change it, the first Adam did this, then the second Adam did that. 
And so that's why this chapter is how much more you need to rejoice. And what it's saying is if you people in Rome could just think this through, if you could get your minds round this, the feelings would come. And so, therefore, that's what he's thinking. How much more? How much more? You need to rejoice. So, it's a logical chapter. As I was saying, if he died for you when you were enemies, when you were sinners, then just think of his attitude to you now as children. And so, that famous verse, I can't remember, it's probably 611, count yourself... In other words, he starts saying, I'm tired of you Christians thinking thoughts in the gutter. You need to start thinking. And so there's a bit of element of Paul's frustration. And so let me just say as we get going, this is written for believers. This is Paul writing the church in Rome, not the municipal authorities. So in other words, he's writing to those who are saved. That's what makes it quite difficult to understand how he lays out the book. But, you know, I just remember doing Bible study with my friends in India when we did, I can't remember, Professor Murray's commentary on Romans, and we did a, we would then do a test and exam, and I would always say to the boys, now just before you start, you've all passed. Because they all knew they were sinners. They all knew they were saved by Christ. They all knew the atoning sacrifice was sufficient. So just relax. And so there's a big difference. Knowing that he's talking to believers. So we this afternoon, I'll take you down, as Paul did, Romans 1, 2, 3. And then we'll rise again at the end. Okay? And, and so that's, that's important for me to tell you that. And so let's look at sin. It's what Paul says, Romans 1, 2, 3. And, of course, as you can know, sin is not how I feel. Sin is not what I think I've done with God's standards. Sin is what God sees. What I think is... Well, I'm thinking, there's a verse in there, I'm sure it's 1 Corinthians 4, 4. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't make me innocent. Either 2 Corinthians 4, 4 or 1 Corinthians. My conscience is clear. I feel great. But that doesn't make me innocent. It's God who judges. So me feeling sinful today or not sinful today is irrelevant. It's what does God think? If he should mark iniquity, what's on my board that he knows and I can get so obsessed with what I think and oh, oh woe is me when God says with David you don't know the half of it so sin is what God sees and, and so therefore that's why Paul says look brothers and sisters in Knockbane in North Keswick it's very important that you study your sin to see how much you've been forgiven. Jesus was in, a, in Luke 7, 47. He says, he who has been forgiven little, loves little. I don't know what your love for the Lord is like. But if you've got trouble with motivation and love for the Lord, the clear biblical reason is that you think you've been forgiven very little. 
Jesus said, Simon, when I came into your house, you didn't wash my feet. This woman, with her tears and with that perfume, has wiped my feet. Let me tell you a story. One was a debtor and had was forgiven very little. And one was a debtor who was forgiven a huge amount. Which one would have loved the most? Simon's caught and he says, I suppose the one that was forgiven most. Jesus said, spot on. And so brothers, sisters, one of the big problems we face as believers, and especially those of us who are older in the faith, you are regarding our sin. We get very dull. We actually don't know. That woman knows. That woman knows exactly what she's forgiven. In the city, everybody knows whatever woman she is. You know, there's some of you here that know exactly how much you've been forgiven. And there's others of us <laughs> who just think, oh, I'm a son. That's it. I wake up in the morning, I'm a son of his. And so we, we would struggle to be like Paul or John. Paul could say, Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. <laughs> Paul, you know, big, no, not big Paul, little Paul, says, he loved me. Or John. I don't want to tell you who I really am but I'm actually the disciple whom Jesus loved but if any of you doesn't think they've sinned they're a liar they make God out to be a liar and Paul could say I am the chief of sinners you know of everybody I've met all the people I've been beaten look at my back I've been beaten says Paul so many times. But do you know who's the biggest trash, the biggest rat I know? And I'm not talking about 26 years ago when I first became a believer. I'm talking about now writing to Timothy. I, of all the people I know, I am the biggest rat there is. And he loves me. So that's the essence of Paul and John. The ability to study sin. You know, and so, uh, what, what is sin? Is, is a big question. I was just looking at one John. Everyone who sins breaks the law. For sin is lawlessness. What is sin? There's a great quote from Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. The essence, the essence of sin is this. Listen to this now. If you're not going to listen to anything else, listen to this. The essence of sin is that we do not live entirely to the glory of God. You can be innocent of all gross sins and yet be guilty of this very terrible thing of being satisfied with your life. Of, being, of having pride in, in your achievements and of looking down on others and feeling that you are better than others. You can be innocent of all gross sins and yet be guilty of this terrible thing of being satisfied with your life. And that's what happens with mature believers. 
they become dull. He that is forgiven, forgiven a little loves little, which is the opposite to what the verse says. So to love, you need to know how much you have been forgiven. I don't know what you do, but I often take the first commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Let me just take the first commandment. And to give me a chance, let me just take a quarter of it. And brothers, sisters, when have I, when have I ever loved God with all my strength? Not for one moment, never. I feel on a quarter of the first commandment. That, that's me, but, and, and it just reminds me of who I am. And so, you know, as, as, we, as we think of it, as, as we think on, on how, I just brought an illustration with me, as we think on how we were made in the image of God, we were made in his image. You know, it, it, we've been formed in his image, the communicable attributes to some extent. And so that's what we are, but we've been made in his image. But, you know, what, what has sin done to me? What has happened to the, the beauty of what he originally intended? What has happened? What damage has happened to me? And I realized, you know, just here I am. And it's humbling. And so, you know, Paul is quite happy to say, look, we're all in this together. And I'm comfortable talking to you because you know you're saved. It's knowing you've passed the exam that makes you comfortable to listen. Very difficult if non-believers come in today. This is not an evangelistic address. There's no intention of being an evangelistic address. This is talking, Paul talking to his friends. 26 people or so he knew there at the end of Romans and this, this is the state we're in and we know therefore how does God react to sin well, God hates sin it says of Jesus he loves righteousness and hates iniquity I just hate it he hates iniquity we see God before the flood I've put it in my notes the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of their heart was only evil Continually, Remember my first commandment? One quarter of it. Only evil. Continually. And then comes the flood. Fantastic. The flood wipes all these wicked people away and just leaves the godly Noah. No. God says, I, I, 8.21 Genesis, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination of man's heart is evil. From his youth. I'm not fooled says God. And you can see what I'm saying brothers and sisters. What you think of you. Doesn't cut. It's what God says about me. And so. He does. So do I, do I really believe. And I struggle with this. I don't know what you. Do I really believe. That God would have sent me to hell. Or am I an unbeliever? Do I really think that God would have sent me to hell? 
or, or when was I when was I ever so broken by my sin that I got down on my knees and wept when, when have I been so troubled when have I been like Peter saying Lord let me let me walk on the water and then suddenly I realize I'm sinking and say Lord save me there's a big difference between hey let's walk in the water and Lord save me and so you does God forgive sins no he forgives sinners but somebody has to pay somebody has to pay and Christ paid this is no small thing somebody had to pay and, and you could picture I don't know if you've been there but you could picture it can you, can you see the father beating his son to death bruising him breaking him separating from him I can picture the angels this is not biblical but I can picture the angels saying to one another on that awful day I have never seen the father so angry as somebody had to pay for my sins it's no trivial thing it's no trivial thing at all and so that's what Paul's saying we're brothers sisters as a fellow walker you are in my shoes I am in your shoes I'm a failure I don't make the cut I don't get off the floor I need help and so that is, is our situation and the good news and so we'll start to rise again you okay? Can you cope with the second half? But God delights to forgive. He delights to forgive. He's a God who delights in mercy. There's joy in heaven over one sinner that repents. And it says, Psalm 86, verse 5, The Lord is good and ready to forgive. I was looking at again this morning, Exodus 34, 6 and 7, the Lord proclaimed, the Lord, I'll tell you who I am, Moses, I'll tell you what I'm like. This is what I'm like. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. Micah, who is a God like unto thee? Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity, and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy I, I was up at the farm yesterday and we were I was coming home I don't know I'm 6.30 still been trying to get the tar off my off my fingers from doing doing a flat roof uh, and I turned on the radio after I dropped someone in uh, Maryborough I turned on the radio and I'd forgotten that Scotland were playing and so I just got home and I had to switch off the radio empty the pickup. Uh, and I just got there and it was the 85th minute of the game and the guys were saying well 
there's absolutely no chance that Scotland are going to score. <laughs> you know, and they were just hoping to get this game over. And I watched the news at 10. And Scotland scored twice. This is an announcement. It was fantastic, but I saw the news. And just... Wow! Yep. Hey! Well, brothers, sisters, God delights to forgive. He just delights. The eyes of the Lord scan throughout this congregation to see if there's anyone he can show mercy to. Because he delights in mercy. It gives him satisfaction. And there's that great verse, Isaiah 43. He says to the people of Israel, You have not brought me sweet cane. You have not brought me sacrifices. But you have troubled me with your sin. I, even I, am he who forgives your sin for my sake. Because he delights in mercy. Brothers and sisters, I'm sure there couldn't be any non-believer here today. In fact, maybe there's somebody here who's walking with the Lord from a distance and coming to church is a trivial pursuit. The Lord is saying, come. Come. Please come. Why should I? Because I delight in showing mercy. I search. When he saw the prodigal a long way off, he waited. He waited, and then he ran. Come unto me, because I delight to show mercy. That is who our God is. I did not come looking for the righteous, but sinners to repent. Therefore, we are justified. And so going back to Romans 5, 1, where we started, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. And so, Paul has built up the story. And you're okay, we've gone to bad news and we're now turning to good news. But you see, brothers and sisters, if you do, I'm an accountant, so this is sad, but I don't usually admit it. But if you think of it, on the, David's performance on the Ten Commandments, you shall have no other gods before me. No images. Uh, uh, don't take my name in vain. If you think of it, well, I'll need to use this. Uh, that um, I'm, I'm started here. I broke the first one, second one, third one, fourth one, fifth one, sixth one, seventh one. Lying, yep. Stealing, yep. Covetousness, yep. I stand before you at minus 10. Minus 10. I'm here. And you then tell me, ah, God's forgiven you. Minus 9, minus 8, minus 7, minus 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hey, I'm at zero. That gets you nowhere. Who shall ascend the hill of God? But he that has a clean hand and a pure heart, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Brothers, sisters, be very clear with forgiveness. 
it won't get you into heaven. Brothers, sisters, you need holiness. You need righteousness. You need to have always worshipped God. To have always shunned idols. To have always honoured his name. To have always kept the Sabbath. To have always honoured your father and mother. To have always avoided adultery. To have always been honest. To get into heaven you need to be righteous. You need to have kept the law. And so that's why. What is justification? Justification. Isaiah 61 verse 10. You have clothed me with the robe of righteousness. You have covered me with your righteousness. Justification, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. You need to have put on Christ. To get to here, eh, you need holiness. You need to look like Christ. And that's what just, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. You know, I, I, I was almost, la- I don't know who was last in this morning, but I was uh, pretty late. And I always reckon I'll be last into heaven. Because I'm always late for everything. And I reckon that I'll get to the door. And I know your door doesn't have creaky boards because it didn't creak this morning. But I just get to the air and you're all in there with your robes and whites and glorious clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And I'll come to that door. Dry throat. Nervous. Peek in. See you guys all looking round. A poor little David. And from the throne, from the throne will come a finger pointing at me and say this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased therefore being justified by faith we have peace between God and us because we're clothed in the robe of his of Christ's righteousness it will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our lord who was delivered up for our trespasses and was raised to life for our justification that's what justification means amen let's sing again And we're just in the next psalm, Psalm 43. Psalm 43, and we'll sing from the beginning. From the Scottish Psalter again. Judge me, O God, and plead my cause against the ungodly nation from the unjust and crafty man. O be thou my salvation. Let's sing these verses to God's praise.
Let me read some verses just as we close. It just it was a poem I was thinking about yesterday, and uh, Ian sent me the news of uh, another of your elders being taken. The sands of time are sinking. The dawn of heaven breaks. The summer morn I've sighed for. The fair sweet morn awakes. Dark, dark hath been the midnight. But day spring is at hand. And glory, glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's land. And for this afternoon and thinking on what we've been thinking. The bride eyes not her garment. But her dear bridegroom's face. I will not gaze at glory. But on my king of grace. Not at the crown he giveth, but on his pierced hand. The lamb is all the glory of Emmanuel's land. And I'll finish with what Paul says in Romans. I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither things present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate you or me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus.